This is Plant-Based Briefing. Getting Cats Vegan is Possible and Imperative, Part 2 by Kartik Shaker at AfterMeatBook.com. And I'm Marian Erickson, and this is the Curated Content Plant-Based Podcast, where I narrate a variety of articles on plant-based and vegan living, with permission, in about 10 minutes or less every weekday. And today's article was longer than that, so it's a two-parter. I read part one yesterday, so go back and listen to that first, and then jump back here for part two. And now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. Getting Cats Vegan is Possible and Imperative, Part 2 by Kartik Shaker at AfterMeatBook.com. Opportunities. I see many opportunities to help realize the vegan cat world sooner than later. Number one, funding more ingredients to be tested. More ingredients available for pet food makers would make it easier for them to make better and more varied vegan cat food formulations. Third-party funding on key ingredients would help the entire industry and reduce the entry barrier on retail vegan cat products. Ingredients should be triaged on how many recipes they open up. For example, using the chef analogy, cooking oil would enable more gastronomy than, say, asparagus. Number two, develop a more streamlined, expedited ingredient approval process. AFCO approval process is noted to be slow, laborious, and costly. Ultimately, the FDA and state governments are the ultimate arbiter of pet food and defer authority to AFCO. Using other organizations, perhaps in other countries, to test pet food would set a precedent for countries with more onerous regulations. 3. Funding more formulations for testing. Pet food is a low-margin business. Most pet food is the dregs of the animal agriculture industry, material that would be disposed of otherwise. Testing formulations is proportionately more costly compared to testing a new cancer-fighting drug for humans. Third-party funding would offset the costs that are difficult to recoup with sales. Number four, funding long-term studies on the health of vegan cats. Currently, most studies on the long-term health of vegan cats are observational or survey-based, meaning that the authors did not design the experimental conditions and rely on post-hoc analyses or owner assessment. Ideally, we can do a randomized control trial, the gold standard, on cats with various vegan and non-vegan diets and measure vitals to assess their health outcomes. Funding is dearly needed to perform these studies and would convince the many who are uncertain about feeding their cats vegan. Note that we don't want just one long-term study. We should fund the study of many different vegan diets to find the best ones, and we should keep funding studies to find better formulations. Number five, repudiating what obligate carnivore means. Kindly but stridently, we have to correct folks that obligate carnivore precludes the possibility of a vegan diet. This outdated thinking ignores the fundamental understanding of biochemistry, nutrition, and metabolism, which has only developed since the initial carnivore classification. Number six, advocating to vets. On a similar note, we need to evolve vets' outdated nutritional understanding of carnivores and appeal to their better nature about helping all animals, not just companion ones. Vets are positioned well to understand the health of cats and to ensure that the owner is rearing vegan cats as well as possible. And number seven, rearing vegan cats. There is enough evidence that cats can be raised vegan healthily. Since raising vegan cats continues to be pilloried and dismissed, there is an opportunity to do good here by being a leader and an example for others. Be that owner who raises their cat vegan. I have previously argued that pioneers at the start of an S-curve transition do inordinate good by shifting the curve. Responding to common concerns. I've heard plenty of pushback on some of the ideas, so let me respond. Number one, quote, these diets are not natural, unquote. The appeal to nature argument is wrong, outdated, and destructive. 
so much so that I wrote the entire first chapter of After Meat explaining why. You can read or listen to it for free linked here. Furthermore, the meat-based cat food on the market differs from what cats quote-unquote naturally eat. Store-bought meat-based cat food is what's unsuitable for human consumption, the scrap animal parts, livers, stomachs, etc. The meat is far from the fresh flesh that cats eat during wild hunting. And number two, quote, these foods would be too synthetic, too processed, unquote. Cat food already on the market is highly synthetic. Because store-bought cat food meat is often so diseased, it usually has to be boiled for sterilization. The poor-quality meat and sterilization depletes vital nutrients such as taurine, zinc, thymine, vitamin E, vitamin A, vitamin K, copper, manganese, vitamin B12, folic acid, potassium, vitamin D, and others. These nutrients often must be supplemented back in. Secondly, linked here, I argued why the word processed is an imprecise, unhelpful adjective when discussing food. Long story short, calling a food processed will not tell us if it's healthy or unhealthy. Conclusion In After Meat, I concluded we would have plant and microbial-based alternatives better than conventional animal products regarding taste, cost, and nutrition. Relying on animal technology has physical limits. It's not just winning on ethics and the environment— Alternatives can also exceed on purely selfish consumer values. In the same way, we can eventually do the same with cat food and reach a win-win. Enabling more vegan options for cats is different from animal product alternatives for humans or dogs. First, there's addressing the confusion about whether we can rear cats in a healthy vegan manner. We can, and funding more studies will show this demonstrably. The second issue is fostering market conditions for more vegan cat food options. The limit is regulatory, and third-party funding is sorely needed to get more ingredients tested and to defray development and approval costs for vegan pet food producers. You just listened to Getting Cats Vegan is Possible and Imperative, Part 2 by Kartik Shaker at aftermeatbook.com. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson. And after I became vegan, I switched my dogs to a plant-based diet, but I was told erroneously that cats cannot because they need things like taurine that only come from meat. I am grateful to have been educated on the truth around that, that vegan cat food has all the essential nutrients. Taurine is added into vegan cat food the same way it's added back into meat-based cat foods after it's burned off at high temperatures. And my cat has been eating a vegan diet for, gosh, a couple years now maybe at least. I buy her a combination of the three foods mentioned, Ami, Evolution, and Benevo, and sprinkle the Evolution nutritional yeast sprinkles on top. She goes crazy for it. She absolutely loves it. My dogs even love her food. I give it to them as treats and little bits. But I do understand that I'm in a privileged position to be able to do that. It is expensive. I have to special order it, and the shipping alone is expensive. So I understand that right now not everybody can do that, And that's why an article like Cartix is so important. People need to be educated. People need to get on board and people need to be pioneers and help move this thing forward. I've done a number of other episodes on plant-based cat foods and the harms that traditional meat-based cat foods cause to our companions. Our companion animals are suffering from the same foodborne diseases that humans are suffering from, diabetes, cancers, heart disease, It's the food, 
And there's also the issue of the bioaccumulation of toxins and how the meat-based cat foods are made up of the stuff that's left over that's not made for human consumption. So if you want to check those out, I'll link them in the show notes, but they include episode 193, Cultivated Meat for Pet Food, Game Changer, 200 and 201, Vegan Cats 101, 211, Cultured Meat, The Future of Pet Food, 233, Should Cats and Dogs Eat Cows and Chickens, 318, Bravo Packing, The Dirty Business of Pet Food Slaughterhouses, 325, The Secret Horrors and Products of Rendering Dead Animals, and 337, Avoid Toxins from Bioaccumulation with Vegan Cat and Dog Food. And if you want to learn more about A World After Meat and the exciting possibilities with microbial fermentation, listen to episode 54 of the Hope for the Animals podcast, where Hope interviews Kartik. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So please share this episode with anyone who might benefit, and thanks for listening.